This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas and experience. And just as in season one, to give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Steve Neat, who is the general manager for EMEA for Elation. So, Steve, thank you very much for joining us. Carl, thanks for having me. Pleasure is all ours, Steve. So look, really looking forward to this. Um, where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a, a brief introduction into their background and uh, journey to date, if you'd be so kind. Sure. Well, um, none of it was planned, frankly. <laughs> uh, and it's interesting where I've ended up. I, I actually started by studying mechanical engineering. So I'm not quite sure how I ended up doing what I'm doing. But uh, after university, I wasn't quite sure whether to go into computing or the oil industry, but chose computing and joined one of those systems houses that were around in the early 80s. Um, turns out I'm not very good at programming, which uh, I, we found out pretty quickly. But what I did find out also was I loved being in front of customers. I loved being in front of customers, helping them solve problems. And that was my path, really, or the beginning of my path to move into a sales role and sales management and sales leadership. And uh, that first move, I was tempted by a company car, if I'm brutally honest. In my mid-20s, that was the most important thing that I had on my mind and haven't really looked back. I've worked at some big IT companies like Oracle, uh, SaaS, Siebel Systems, SAP, as well as some smaller startup companies along the line. About six years ago, I was approached to uh, work for Calibra in the data governance space. Candidly, my initial response was data governance sounds a bit dry. I'm not sure I'm going to love this. But it turns out that you get into conversations about data and how companies are using data. So actually, uh, that was uh, a real highlight for me was um, moving into the data space from other technologies such as CRM, ERP, and uh, relational databases. And about a year ago, I joined Alation to help them grow their business. And that's what I'm doing now. Nice, nice. Well, thank you very much for the uh, for the intro. So for, for anyone that's not quite familiar, um, and I don't think there'll be too many people in our audience that don't know the name, but so just give us a bit of a steer about Alation and and what you uh, what you guys over there are, are up to um, in terms of you know helping move the needle in 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 this market. Yeah. Um, so uh, Alation 
provides the leading data catalogue. It's basically an index used by big, com big companies to be able to find data that they can trust. Uh, we work with some of the biggest companies on the planet. We're helping them become a lot more data driven. You need to be able to find that data. Um, you need to be able to trust it. You need to know how you can use it, where it is, all of those great things. And that's what a data catalog does for companies around the planet. The company's been around since 2012. Uh, we've grown pretty rapidly. We're about 500 people, 300 customers, um, and uh, we're continuing to grow. So very, it's a very exciting time to be at Elation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it makes makes sense. It's I always find it fascinating because you know of all of the kind of wonderful and advanced things that that we talk about and that we kind of you know get all bright eyed over in in our industry. Um, it always fascinates me that we still come back to these kind of core topics around what businesses need and want, which is accessibility and trustability right of their data to become truly data driven to make great business decisions from that which um, is no wonder we're seeing companies like Alation kind of come to the forefront and, and help with that so where does your role sit within the business then what are you tasked with achieving yeah my role is quite clear um i run the european business about a year ago we were still relatively small so my objective is to grow the business by winning new customers and making sure that our existing customers are getting the return on the investment that they've made and are continuing their data governance, data intelligence journeys with us. Yep, yep, perfect, makes, uh, makes sense. Obviously, I think as we spoke about when we first connected offline, right, there's been this real resurgence in organizations focusing back in that area of data management let's say broadly speaking over the last 12 months especially just fascinated to hear from your perspective living on that side of the fence specifically um why you think that is well i think there's been a shift over a slightly longer time from data being in the uh being in it where IT are the custodians of the data and shifting much more towards the business. The business want all of those cool things like AI, advanced analytics, data science. They want all of those things, but quickly realize that they can't have them unless they have access to trusted data. And I suppose that's really come into sharp focus in the last couple of years because the business has been asking some brand new questions that it never had to ask before, based upon the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we've also seen a lot of companies come to the fore that are data-driven organizations, the modern organizations that are really changing industries. So the demand is there, the circumstances are there. We're seeing on the TV every night data being presented to us about the pandemic. So I think people are a lot more familiar with data, its value, it's important to making data-driven decisions. And you need the right tool set to support that, as well as the right sort of people and process. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes, uh, that makes perfect, um, perfect sense. I mean, in terms of the, the tooling, there's obviously 
a lot out there in the technology space right that surrounds the the data analytics industry um seems to be more coming to the forefront in the data management space specifically how how do you see that kind of helping from a, an efficiency perspective within organizations because i guess previously a lot of the data management type work as you said when you, when you first took the role with calibra was was maybe sounds a little bit boring but it was all done quite manually and it was all very compliance led a lot of the time it was you know let's tick this box because we need to have this but you know it's it wasn't seen as the enabler that it might be now seen as right so um what what's the kind of tool and technology world doing you know with tools like collation to to the efficiency of being better data-driven organizations if that makes sense i think that's the shift actually the shift from being it compliant to the business who have the demand being much more productive. I think uh, Alation, we we like to believe that people come to use our product because it really helps them do their job a lot more productively, a lot more efficiently. So they'll come in and use it because it's helping them every day rather than just having to go into a tool to tick a box to comply. I think that really drives adoption if you've got a tool that genuinely helps you do your job every day, you're going to use it. And that's where Alation comes from. So there are more and more products coming to market that help people, any knowledge worker, any business analyst, be far more productive. Taking down the time that it takes just to find information from weeks or months down to minutes or seconds. That drives adoption. Once you've got adoption, that's for me, that's at the heart of building a data culture in an organization, a tool that is genuinely used because it's of value. And I think we take a lot of that from, you know, the consumer apps. An example I, I, I often use is I had this moment two years ago when I started cycling a couple of years ago at the beginning of the pandemic that I started using a product called Strava, which which is a way of tracking where you've been and plotting routes. And I found this feature on it when I was trying to plot a, a route because I got slightly bored with the routes that I was using called the global heat map. And suddenly it presented to me in an, an anonymized fashion information about where everybody else had been. And although I've lived in the same house for 20 years, I didn't know where all the off-road tracks were. I, I'm not a, I hadn't been doing it. And suddenly all of this information was presented to me and I didn't have to do anything or nor did anybody who was contributing to it. It was just through the process of cycling, they had contributed to this information. So suddenly I've changed where I cycle in a, and actually, I think I've become a bit of an expert. I know where all the routes are in my vicinity by using this application. So um, it's taken me to new places to find trusted routes. If they're very popular routes, I tend to trust them. And the analogy with a, a catalogue is that you need it to give you some insight into what data is the right data for you to use. Every data catalogue Every data management system gives you a map of where the data is. But the ones that really flourish, the ones that really drive adoption, I think, are the ones that give you some insight 
that you didn't have before. So I think we've we've taken the lead from some of the consumer apps and applied it into the enterprise data management space to make those products really useful, really engaging, full of value. Mm, yeah. So you, you spoke there on a number of occasions about adoption and culture. And I guess the point being that the usability of these new tools that come into market in this space allow for that to happen and, and for that to, to flourish, which makes complete sense because obviously culture is often the thing, right, that's cited as the reason why, what is the, the famous Gartner research, you know, 85% of data analytics projects don't deliver as much value as they were as expected to add and all of that stuff. And it's always come back to culture because adoption didn't happen or didn't occur or as much of it as we we thought etc how do we barring the tool of course because i completely agree with you if it's easy to use people will use it or they're more likely to use it as opposed to even 10 years ago where people in those very same teams were probably having to manually input data into excel <laughs> right and, and things like that um how do we go about creating that data culture more holistically and how does the tool tie into that because i'm keen to get your your kind of your, your sales pitch if you <laughs> if you want to call it that well i'd wrestle with this because you know what is a data culture i think that's i think everybody has a different view of what it is and and we have a view that it's about uh, enabling organizations to make decisions based upon data and that should be the norm rather than on intuition or the loudest voice in the room, that there is a culture, that that becomes the norm in an organization, that any decision that is made should be backed up by data. And so it, it comes from the top, I think, that you do need the executive in the organization to not only uh, not dictate it, but encourage that, but also lead by example. So de important decisions have to have the data supporting it. Now, the key to that is you better make sure there's some data available to make those decisions. So I think that drives the demand for tools like Alation to have a data culture or the, the desire to be more data-driven as an organization. From the top down, we wanna make data-driven decisions that should be the norm. And here's an environment and a set of tools to help you do that. So the right catalog that will give you the right information at the right time to enable you to have immediate access to trusted data. And it does need to be immediate because decisions tend to be made quickly. And it's no good if you have to wait a month to find some old data that's slightly out of date. So it's a combination of things. It's certainly not, a tool is definitely not a magic wand, but it helps. It helps underpin a data-driven organization to build a data culture. Mm, yeah, absolutely agree. How, how do you and the Alation team then tackle the issue of adoption in an organization? Because I think, you know, we've had plenty of people sit on this podcast, Steve, and, and talk about, adoption being the reason for the you know that cultural element not flourishing and, and not as much value and you know round and round on that merry-go-round we we continue to 
to go but how do you tackle that because as i said there's people been on the podcast that have you know openly said things like you know effectively we're asking people that you know may have worked in a business for 20 years to change how they're doing something right all because you know broadly speaking this is going to make the business more money or better at what it does or whatever and you know with the greatest respect if you're i don't know joe blogs sign accounts you know you might think well so what seems like more work <laughs> more work for me right how, how do you and i know the the usability of the product certainly helps whether you know that adoption occurs and to what level but how, how do you kind of specifically tackle that because i presume you know someone like yourself is speaking with you know really senior data leaders and business leaders right and trying to take them on that journey to make sure that they're getting the full use of the functionality of the tool right so how, how do you tackle that that part of the the equation one thing I know for sure is you can't force adoption. You can't mandate adoption. Generally, people are well-intentioned, well-intentioned but lazy. You know, what's in yeah. it for me? Yeah. So I think back to my point of get, delivering some value that makes life easy for people. Wow, I didn't realize I can find the most popular data sets, or I didn't realize I can find the top users of this data. That's going to really help me. That saved me a ton of work. So if there's some capability in the product to make life easier, that will naturally drive adoption. And if you get people adopting and using a tool and collaborating around data, the content is going to become more valuable and it becomes a virtuous circle where there's more there that people can benefit from. The tool itself is creating that insight as well. So it becomes the natural place to go. So I think I think that's one key element. The other comparison I make is there's often in software, there's this race to, to deliver features. And I, I compare some offerings a bit like a Swiss army knife. They've got everything. And, you know, you want you want to a magnifying glass, you've got it. You want a clock, you've got it. You've got tweezers, you've got it. You've got everything you possibly want. And I've got a, a, a Swiss army knife. It tends to stay in the drawer. Um, and I compare that with a Swiss army knife with the requirements of a sushi chef. Sushi Chef, that person needs the finest hardened Damascus steel knives that they lovingly cherish, sharpen, polish, but they use them every day. And they can't do their job without them. They are the tools of the trade. So I like to think that elation is much more on their Sushi Chef knives because they help somebody do their job productively every day. And if you take it away, they complain immediately. I can't do my job. A Swiss army knife, uh, I could probably cut some tuna up with a Swiss army knife, but I wouldn't keep my job very long. So I think it's having the right tools for the job as well that is really important in driving that data culture. And they should be really focused on productivity, not on just trying to do everything. Nothing. Nobody wants to do everything. They just want to do what they need to do in the most efficient, productive and effective fashion. Yeah. With that in mind, then, who who do you 
or you know, I'm sure you've got facts and figures on on, the, on this coming out of your ears, Steve. But what type of teams within a business are typically using this? Because if you go back to the concept that we spoke earlier on the podcast about, you know, this resurgence in data management and it now being seen as an enabler, and you know, gosh, if I, you know, if I had a pound for every meeting I'd been in where it was a case of, you know, they'd gone full whack straight off the straight off the tilt into building data science teams and you know six months they've got a team of 25 data scientists they've bought all of the tools and tech and then they've realized that actually we're we're built on a foundation of quicksand here and they very quickly have to trace their tails back and go to the drawing board and almost start again right but what you're describing there sounds like the perfect type of tool for a data science team to use right if they can get access to data quickly and they know it can be trusted then that allows them to do their job much better but equally business users could do that as well right so do, do you find that there's you know uh, uh, broadly speaking is there specific types of teams that are using your tool more or is it a real spread well, I think the the uh, vision is that any knowledge worker in the business can benefit from a data catalogue. There'll be some light users who just want to look up to find out which report might be helpful for them or a definition of a business term. But then there will be much heavier users, perhaps in IT, perhaps uh, business analysts, uh, report writers, data sciences people. So the individuals whose profession it is to extract value out of data, they're going to get a lot of value from having a catalogue. They're also going to contribute a lot to that catalogue. You know, it's it's that tribal knowledge that is really hard to locate in one place and often leaves the business or sits um, within spreadsheets spread about the organization. So consolidating that information from that group of people is hugely value, valuable to the making that catalog the go-to place for anybody in the organization. And I would love to think that the CEO would get benefit as much as, you know, a hardened data scientist who needs to find very quickly trusted information to help them build their models. Mm, yeah. How, how much of these conversations that you have, does the whole concept of, you know, the single source of truth come into play? Keen to get your thoughts on that. It's, it's really interesting because I sometimes wonder, how do these big enterprises get to this state? And if you if you peel back the covers, you'll see that through mergers, acquisitions, and buying lots of software solutions, such as CRM and websites and ERP systems and online uh, ordering systems, they've bought all of these systems to satisfy a particular requirement. And that's and that's fine, but but nobody really thought about the data. It was a byproduct generally of investing in those solutions. So it could be that organizations have got 10, 20, 50, 100 different solutions that, that are still in use today that are creating all of this data. If I look at the very group, which is a recent customer of ours, um, ironically, historically a catalog company without a data catalog. 
But um, Steve Pimblett, the CDO, will talk about all of the systems that they still have that are still producing vast amounts of data. And they don't delete any of it, of course, because they want to they want it to be there. So that's why we've got all of that environment, why we've got the situation, and why now you need a single lens into that environment. And we're not we're not looking at the data. We're not we're not restoring or duplicating the data, but we're consolidating the metadata and the knowledge, the important context and information around that data which will help us know if it's trusted, how it should be used, where it should be used. So it's less single source of the truth, but it's a single lens onto that large estate of of data that you've got, which is likely to be growing massively. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Moving into the kind of, I guess, the, the, the conversation towards appetite, for data and uh, I know that again when we spoke offline we, we spoke around this um, notion that many businesses kind of thrust themselves into this journey out of obligation right they, they kind of everyone was talking about it it's the it's the hottest thing um, everyone's worried that the competitors are going to get a leg up and so on and so forth but then when you peel a lot of the stuff back you know you start to realize mm, there's maybe a little bit of lip service going on here around this stuff right um you spoke earlier around the role that data is playing in a business now and even at the very top table decisions need to be made and they need some evidence basically to support that that's the the, the right decision but always find it fascinating to ask people like yourself Steve because similar to me you get a very holistic view of the industry right speaking to lots of different people different sizes of organizations different sectors how, how what's your thoughts on the role that data is playing actually within a business today because I know everyone says they're on this journey to being data driven um you know I've got my own thoughts on that but I'm keen to hear what you think in terms of what the reality of the current state of play is if that makes sense you're you're right. I mean, uh, we're talking to companies in industries from finance through retail, manufacturing, public sector. Generally, there's a desire to be more data driven, and you have to get underneath that to find out what's driving it. And and there's normally a, a particular use case that is starting the conversation. It may be regulatory. Um, you know talking to a recent bank that is doing all of the regulatory stuff in a whole bunch of spreadsheets still. Um, that still exists. To organizations that are uh, doing mergers and acquisitions or organizations that are moving to the cloud. These are all good use cases. You know, If you're moving to the cloud, wouldn't it be good to know what to move to the cloud, not move everything? So a catalog is a great way of not only uh, tracking everything you have, but finding out what's actually being used before you invest in that move. So there's normally some sort of trigger that that creates the initial discussion under the general umbrella of, well, we want to be more broadly data driven. And, and, And I think most people now know that there's a solution out there. I would say five years ago or so, it would be, 
where we're doing all this stuff, we're capturing things in spreadsheets or databases or confluence pages or whatever, they, they are good symptoms that people have worked out uh, uh, trying to solve the problem, but not necessarily in a strategic or scalable fashion. So um, I think, you know, all of the big SIs are talking about being data driven. There's evidence from McKinsey's and the like about if you are data driven, then you will get better performance as a business. You will reduce risk as a business. So there's some tangible evidence that data driven companies are better, but it's typically a one or more use cases that trigger the initial discussions. And then hopefully the two things come together, that we take it from the tactical to the more strategic. And I think once we've got a more strategic discussion, particularly if we can align to the, the strategic objectives of the organization, we stand a chance of being much more successful. If it remains an IT project and we just want to buy a tool, then we're never, I don't think, going to get the true value out of such a deployment. And it won't achieve the strategic objectives. It will be fine, perhaps. It will deliver some modest uh, project-led uh, uh, objectives. But, but getting that data-driven culture, helping build data literacy can only come, I think, by linking to the strategic objectives of the organization, by getting buy-in from the most senior executives in the organization, and having that laser focus that keep coming back to those metrics and those objectives, rather than getting stuck into, can it connect to this? Where's my data? The, the, the more technical aspects, we have to constantly go back and align to those strategic imperatives and those strategic objectives to genuinely deliver on that promise of building a data culture. Yeah. Does that become a, a challenge then for companies and, and, and I guess like Alation when, I guess if you think about the industry more holistically, we often use the terminology around, you know, start small, prove the value, then you can think about capturing the biggest stuff. I imagine that the, you know, the concept is the same, right? You can go in at a smaller scale, go, look, we can show you right there. Look, look how useful that was. Now we can think about taking, you know, a more strategic view. But I imagine that comes with some challenges around it, always remaining a IT tooling thing that can just help in certain parts of the business, right? It, that's exactly the point. I think unlike other tools, maybe a BI tool or something like that, that where you can deploy it very tactically, an individual can see some value, and then we'll start small and build from there. You, you need to get buy-in, I think, to the strategic vision. You can still start small on particular use case, but without the umbrella of support, for a data culture and for um, aligning to strategic initiatives, you're right. It remains stunted and and contained within a small scope. So, which is fine. It'll achieve those objectives, but not the important ones. We believe. So, we we feel that we have to confirm that there is an appetite 
to become more data driven and to drive data culture. We love to ensure that that's confirmed uh, by engaging with the executives where possible um, to validate that we're aligned to the strategic objectives of the business and then build out a path of where these are the various use cases that build towards that objective. Otherwise, you're right. We get stuck and and it doesn't go beyond there. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that delivers the full value of what's possible and certainly normally doesn't achieve the overall objectives of the organization. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned there about trying to, I guess, gauge the appetite of, you know, the the, the leadership team, the executives to be or to become or to become more data driven. Can you share any kind of hints and tips around how you how you do that? Because I imagine there's a million and one people out there that would love to kind of delve into that, right? Because as we talked about, there's plenty of lip service that goes on that people are saying they want to do it. And actually, when push comes to shove, are they willing to do what it takes? Maybe, maybe not. How, how do you kind of gauge gauge that? Some of that information is publicly available. You know, look at the annual report and yeah. uh, it will normally map out some of the strategic objectives of the organization. And and oftentimes there's reference to the desire to become more data driven, to compete more efficiently and effectively in their industry. Uh, sometimes you'll see people doing videos. The, uh, I saw the CEO of the very group on their website talk about one of their key assets to the business, which is behavioral data of their 4 million customers. And that is a strategic asset to the business. You you kind of get a feeling then that the executives understand the potential of the asset that they have in their hands and then a recognition that they haven't fully exploited that. So a lot of this information is publicly available and the rest comes from discovery and discussion with the organization to to get a feeling for the uh, objectives and imperatives of that business mm. yeah yeah absolutely makes um makes perfect sense in terms of everything we've been speaking about it all comes down to change and transformation right everyone's on that journey there's an element of change and transformation that's constantly needed required no matter where you're at on on that journey or spectrum it's the thing that most organizations tend to struggle with and adoption and culture is definitely plays a part in that. But, but what are the kind of key drivers in, in your opinion to kind of making that change and transformation a, a reality? I think they're um, similar to the ones we've already discussed, frankly. I think without that high level strategic imperative, people revert to doing what they've always done. Unless life is easier for them, unless they get something out of it, unless they can become more productive, unless there's something in it for them. Um, So aligning to the strategic objectives will drive that change and making it as easy as possible. Nobody ever wants a two-year project anymore. It's got to deliver evidence that we're heading in the right direction within the first three months. So breaking it down into smaller steps showing the value very quickly, but also showing that path. Everybody knows what they've got to do. They know where they are on that journey, makes it a lot more palatable. And showing them a vision 
of of what you what it could look like be that through improved productivity or some other metrics that you can genuinely measure to say this is contributing to the health of the business rather than this feels like a good idea <laughs> that's no longer acceptable it has to be backed up with the pound shillings and pence that you know we're going to improve the productivity of your data analysts by 80%. These are expensive people, therefore, here's the business case. And by the way, there are all these other business values that will come from it, these other business benefits that will uh, will emerge with this solution. So I think, I think that's the plan is to have a joint vision, break it into parts, demonstrate some quick wins, show the value and keep the eye on the prize. Mm, yeah, absolutely. You touched on there a very interesting point around investment and return on investment. It's one of the areas that um, in our industry is constantly debated over and over again. And I know that the, techno- the technology and the tooling plays a, a huge kind of part in, in that kind of conversation right in terms of not just what it costs but how then you measure the value how you try and put a tangible number on what that value is the cost of it when that's written off is it one project is it lifetime and all of this type of stuff do you have uh, i guess an insight into how that's positioned when you're speaking to business leaders about you know that the investment that they're about to make by working with you yeah i think intuitively most people know that um, that a data catalog can help people be more efficient and effective, that a data catalog can help people govern their data better, avoid fines, work on trusted data intuitively. Those things are, are, are make a lot of sense. One of my customers always used to talk about a recognition that every knowledge worker or everybody who needs access to data, there's almost a tax associated with it. I can't find it. I have to go and speak to John. John's not available. He's left the company. Where do I get this information? So there's this that a recognition that it's hard to extract the value out of the data. What we've done at Alation is built a value index that helps uh, put in some benchmark information based upon our customers to present uh, a very credible return on investment. This will save time of your expensive people. Here's what it would look like. How many people do you have of this type? This, you know, it's a business case that satisfies the CFO. This makes a lot of sense from an efficiency and productivity perspective. And oh, by the way, everybody then becomes more productive. Yes, and we're using trustworthy data, which is really hard to put a number on. So it it gives a baseline business case and then everything else is cream on top, really, the additional value that intuitively everybody recognises and knows that they want to extract from the investment. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I I guess the, 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 the time savings that result in the monetary savings is is can can be calculated quite easily right i yes. guess it's all of the other little the other little nuanced bits around well actually if you had this data you know in two days rather than 
two months that could mean you push the button first on a new product or a new territory that means you get a leg up on the competitor you know who knows what that could could be right it's all it's kind of finger in the air territory but um that makes makes perfect sense um one thing that i was keen to ask you was around reporting lines and, and structures and what you kind of think of this and how the the tech and the tooling landscape plays by the home of the chief data officer and their office if that makes sense and I know there's been a lot of debate on this uh, over <laughs> recent years. Um, I, I think as long as the CDO is well plugged into the business, it's got to do that role has got to deliver value to the business. Um, sometimes the person becomes, you know, the only person to go to if there's a data issue. So it becomes highly tactical rather than being strategic. So being linked into the business and being aligned to how do we get value out of the data, not just I'm the person you come to if you've got a data quality issue you want to talk talk about. So, so ideally, somebody who sits on the board or somebody who reports to a board member to have sufficient influence to say data is of value, how do we align that to the direction of the business and how do we use it as an enabler to drive more revenue, reduce cost, improve customer relations or whatever it is. So it, it's often more the type of person it is as well is are they credible in the business? Are they a strategic thinker? And then they can build a team below them that help them implement that strategy with the right skills, resources and technical capabilities. So I don't know if I've answered your question, but <laughs> I, I recognize the, the question. I've heard it many times before. The closer they are to the business, the better in my view. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I completely echo that sentiment as well, Steve. I think, you know, if we think, uh, and, and obviously there's been some huge success stories, right? Um, there just seems to be a lot more stories around the, the lack of value realization because there's probably just more of that going on. We're still very immature as a sector, right, as an industry. Um, but there has been some some absolutely fantastic results come come out of this. But if, if I look at some of the things that I've been really close to that have been a big success, it's where, you know, CDO is considered, you know, genuine c-suite right isn't necessarily yes. reporting to one of the other c-suite or whatever the case may be so yeah i'm just keen to again anyone that works as a supplier it always fascinates me because they have maybe a, a kind of view that someone working in industry in a in a cdo role kind of doesn't have um looking to, to to wrap this up then steve just conscious of time but a few kind of final questions what are the kind of key lessons that you've learned what, what are the kind of hints or tips or tricks or advice around best practice that you can kind of give us around you know being being kind of driving towards that data-driven business and how data management is going to help us flourish we've touched on a couple of times and and i think that last question around you know we can identify pretty quickly if an initiative is a project within it or whether this is highly aligned to the strategic objectives of the business, that for us will determine very early on the likelihood of success. 
Um, so, you know, having those interactions and discussions with the business to find out how important this genuinely is, because it does involve change. Most people don't want to change. Most organizations find it hard to change. So there's got to be something better on the other side. And that something better on the other side is normally a strategic imperative. So identifying that, being highly linked to it so that the metrics, the the value can be linked to, you know, driving that change is really important. If it's all about, well, you know, do I need to approve this this glossary term? That that's that that's not what it's about. That, you know, it's got to be linked to those strategic imperatives, and and much rather about driving revenue. If I'm candidly honest, um, driving revenue than compliance and regulation, they're all important. They're important things, and you do want to have trustworthy. But most businesses are there and want to see growth. And if you can align to that growth, fantastic, whilst also keeping people out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think the data, I mean, the, 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 the tooling and technology space that now surrounds data management, I think it's a really exciting space because, as we've touched a few times upon, you know, data management in its entirety now is seen as an enabler you know whereas before you know i imagine if you know if you rewind 10 years and you were trying to sell the the product and tool that you've got at that point people would be like oh God, i've got to spend got to spend that money just to you know not get a fine that's you know whereas now we're talking about well look if you've got good data that you've got good access to that you can trust that you know all the millions that you've spent on your data science projects that didn't yield the results well now we can start to move the needle on that stuff so i think it's a really interesting space you touched upon about the 300 customers that you've that you've got can you share any kind of real success stories or or use cases where you know there's been a a customer of yours that's kind of really really nailed it with this stuff and, and and your your tool has helped yeah, we've got customers around the globe, people like Pfizer, Munich Ray, Fatumfall, Salesforce is a customer, NASDAQ. E- every industry, uh, we've got it covered, really. Um, but I will go back to the very group because I think, for me, it's a great example of we get the fundamentals right, of changing this complicated legacy landscape where where you've got enormous amounts of data, but you can't see the wood for the trees. And this vision of we want to get extract the value from that 4 million behavioral customer records. Um, and that's where we can really make value and to do it or create value and do it quickly as well. This is not a two-year project we're sitting around saying, okay, well, we need some data stewards and we need to think about where we're going to move data into the cloud and things like that, we can deliver really fast value, really quick insight into helping people make important decisions. Do I do I trust this data? Do I move this data to the cloud? Who do I choose as a data steward? You know, some some companies get bogged down in the first year and having meetings about deciding who should be a data steward on a project. Whereas with Alation, it tells you, because it says here are all your top report, uh, top users of this report or data set or whatever. Surely one of those 
should be a data steward. So the technology has got to help you make some of those decisions very early on. Then you can get on to realizing the value rather than being myopically focused on how do we set ourselves up? How do we how do we uh, implement this? Let's get going. Let's let's connect it to your data sources. Let's let's ingest some information and learn from that and derive some value straight off the bat. And then we can look at some of the other use cases. So I think that's where the changes come. I think that's the lesson I've learned is let's get going, but also build for the future of having a tool that in two years will be highly used and adopted and not one that's sitting on the shelf and people going, we spent a lot of money, but nobody wants to use it anymore. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Steve, that's a perfect note to end on. Look, it's been a fascinating conversation and um, really appreciate your time. Um, I'm looking forward to getting uh, getting this one out next week. And um, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing how, uh, how the journey continues to unfold for you. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.